I'm enjoying your like semi beard thing. Is that a permanent feature now? It used to be cleanly shaven. Yeah, I mean, as always, I trim it back mm-hmm. so that it's shorter and then it keeps growing. Oh, it just it? seems it's like <laughs> biologically, I just can't stop the thing. Sometimes it gets a bit longer. Mm-hmm. And then I put myself on a high quality camera and realize I probably should trim it. Yeah, I got one of those like memory things on Google Photos. You know, it's like, oh, look at this moment. <laughs> it was like, here's some pictures from four years ago. And it was you and me doing this, basically. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, we look so young. Do we? <laughs> I'm not sure what happened in the last... Well, I can tell you what happened in the last four years, actually. <laughs> um, a lot of shit, but it shows. So we look better now. Absolutely. Or maybe our cameras were less good. Just slightly blurry all over. Oh, the good old days. <laughs> Hello, you're listening to the Doing It For The Kids podcast, where we swear a bit too much and talk a bit too fast about freelance life with kids in the mix. I'm Frankie and this is Steve. Hello, yes, each episode we take a question from the Doing It For The Kids. Did that feel a bit reserved? <laughs> Did that feel... No, it was all I'm right. just conscious, my, my wife's at home and... Um... Any shred of dignity you have left, you would like to maintain. Hello, yes, each episode we take a question from the Doing It For The Kids community. We do our best to answer it, but we start each episode by looking back at the last one. Last time we were talking about... When you give a testimonial and then it ends up all over the internet and you feel uh, awkward about it. (laughs) Uh, Paul Robinson got in touch, said so many thoughts and feelings I needed to allow to settle in my mind on this. But ultimately, I think Roxanne needs to set more boundaries. One, it's okay to say no to a request for a testimonial. Yes, even to a friend. Two, but if you feel unable to say no, then always, always use your own words rather than let them draft it, which I think perhaps is a root cause of the discomfort here. Drafting the testimonial from scratch in your own words allows you to remain in control of those aspects of the service that you felt were genuinely deserving, e.g. value for money, rather than allowing it to turn into an undeserving gush fest that some representative of the service you received. And three, top tip, design the testimonial so that it dates quickly. Mm. For example, I used top tier cakes for my daughter's birthday in August 2023 and it was fantastic (laughs) value for money. Paul's a pro. By the way, we've not checked if top tier cakes exists. Although if top tier cakes do exist and they want us to send us a cake, we will give them a testimonial. Andy Best says, something I did once and then fell out of the habit of doing but really want to do again was pointing first time clients to a wrap up page on my website once the job was complete. It was a page with general thanks very much sentiments, links to my newsletter and socials, but also a feedback and testimonial submission. Non-mandatory, of course, but easier than a direct ask. The testimonial offering was just one component of the wrapping up process. If, when I do resurrect this page, I'll add a tick box or two asking for preferences on how the testimonial is used, as well as a disclaimer about intended use, etc. I'm loving that. And Lou Jennings says, I am so glad I'm not the only person who felt that way about Mr Tickle. Now he gives me the ick. Right. Oh my gosh, how are you? It seems like forever. Our our half terms weren't aligned, so we've been off for ages. They weren't. What's that about? <laughs> like, this country isn't that big. Surely we should all be on the same schedule anyway. Yeah. Yeah, our, our exciting news is we went to buy a pet yesterday. <gasps> so my daughter's been campaigning for a pet, like, hard, hard, hard. Like, four times a day, she's like, Mummy, Mummy, have you thought about whether or not we can have a pet? <laughs> she wrote a list. <laughs> First was hamster. We were like, no, they smell. They're not actually that fun. They die in like two years. Just no. Uh, 
then it was a rabbit, and then it was cat, and then there was fish on the list. And we were oh, like, oh. Fish are boring, man. No, we're taking the fish. Oh, my God. Because, <laughs> like, you know, our kids are still quite small and we don't need another child in pet form. We just need to appease her desire for a pet. <laughs> so we went to look at some fish yesterday. And you know what? They're surprisingly satisfying. They're really cute. They actually do loads of loads of stuff. <laughs> loads of stuff. <laughs> Juggling. <laughs> Curl up on your lap. Uh, Sudoku. Fetch the ball. Yeah. <laughs> or or by lots of stuff, do you mean they go up, they go down, yes. they go round they and round? They move around a lot. <laughs> they dart around. Cannot wait to hear the names of these fish. That's the fun part with fish. Letting kids name them. And ornaments. Ornaments. Yes. <laughs> So I was all like, we're getting white gravel and real plants and it's going to be tasteful as fuck. And then <laughs> Rob was like, no, we're not. This is for the kids. They can choose what they want. <gasps> Mutiny. So she has chosen a day glow rainbow castle. <laughs> it's like neon, basically. Brilliant. And then he's gone the complete opposite way and got this sort of Aztec, like ruined temple kind of vibe. Wow. So those are the two things combined with bright blue gravel. So the compromise is we've put it in a room that I don't spend a lot of time in. <laughs> but actually, as slightly perturbed as I am by the optics of it, my son in particular was so like nonchalant about the whole thing. And then as soon as we set up the tank, he was so excited about it. And that really brought me great joy to see him like, when are you getting the fish? You know. Has it got a lid on, on the tank? It does have a lid, Okay, yes. good, because when the cat eventually arrives, when they get bored of the fish, <laughs> that's quite important. And how was your half term? Actually, something fairly significant, it felt, happened. Mm. And that was the fact that our teenage son went to Canada without us what? to go skiing. <sighs> it's hard to imagine, isn't it? Like, how old are your kids? Eight and five. Right. No, not there yet. I don't think I'll ever be there, to be honest. When they're 35, I'm going to be like, where are you? What are you doing? Who are you with? Phone me. Part of me does think that all the school trips that they start going on from year one upwards are ultimately aiming not towards giving the children independence and a sense of the world, <laughs> but for us. Yes, it's a training programme. For us to realise we can't <laughs> cling on to them forever. Yeah. It is very weird looking at your phone. You know, like the Find My feature on a mm -hmm. phone. So normally I can see, you know, he's just walking up the road on his mm -hmm. way home from school. Mm -hmm. No, he was four and a half thousand miles away. <laughs> I can't deal with that. Yeah. At one moment, you're nervous about leaving them at somebody else's house for a play date. And uh -huh. the next moment, they're on a plane on the other side of the world. Crazy. Also, like my friends are teachers now. Like, my generation of these people that are taking these kids skiing in Canada, like, that does not make me feel more confident about letting my children go on these trips. OK, this time around, we've got another anonymous one. So whenever we have an anonymous email to answer, we go to the fantasy name generator, find detective names. So, Ziva Lawyer, Natalie Mason... Nadia Lawson, Barbara Harris. Let's do Babs. Babs Harris? Babs Harris, all right, Babs <laughs> Harris. In that case, this week's email comes from Detective Babs Harris. Babs says, I work with corporate clients around workshop facilitation and keynote speaking. My question 
is around pricing transparency. I'm finding that I'm getting lots of inquiries, which I'm very grateful for. Most of the time, I respond via email with my fees and the potential client doesn't have the budget. I would say this happens three quarters of the time. My fees are probably higher than average, but I'm happy with the price point and the value I offer, and I've got lots of repeat clients that I work with closely. It's not a major admin task to respond to each inquiry individually, but collectively, over a month or so, it can take up quite a bit of time. So, I'm looking at reviewing how I do things. I'm keen to understand what others do and why. Do they, one, display prices on their website? Two, send fees in response to an inquiry prior to setting up a meeting with the potential client. Three, meet with the potential client first and then send prices after. Which approach do you think is best for maximising revenue, building relationships, but also... God, sorry, I I shouldn't have rushed that coffee. (laughs) What the fuck is happening? Is that music coming from your end? Yeah, what is that coming from? Is that Bluey playing from that tablet? (laughs) Oh my God, there's a Bluey ghost in my house. Sorry to interrupt. Please continue. Which approach do you think is best for maximising revenue, building relationships, but also protecting time? Thanks, Babs. I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's no, like, one answer to this. Would you agree? Yes. I mean, thank God for most things in life. (laughs) But, you know, like... It might be easy to feel that some people have got this nailed and -hmm. you should replicate that. But I don't think that replicating necessarily works because it depends massively on what it is that you do and who your clients are. Babs has given us lots to go on here. Yes, true. So, Babs, let's look at what you're doing. Okay, so Babs is getting lots of inquiries. Which is great. And then she replies to the inquiry with the fees Mm -hmm. and then she's getting emails back going oh no i can't afford that but that's only three quarters of a time another quarter of time they go brilliant let's book it in the question is would you from a productivity protecting time perspective which is one of her questions would you cut out a lot of wasted time in inverted commas by just having your prices on your website do you know it's funny i've been thinking about this quite a bit recently because i've had a few situations where i've ended up like a potential client has come my way mm-hmm. maybe they've been recommended and then i've had a conversation with them like we've got been on a call and then maybe a, i wouldn't say a proposal but i've put together an email of how i can help them and some prices and then maybe again actually three out of those four people have come back and gone yeah can't afford that. One of them was way out, like so way out that I was almost cross with myself that we had even bothered to have the conversation. And But then I thought about it. I thought, okay, so I could have asked them if they have a budget in mind at the beginning and then never had that call. Or I could have got on the call, met them, had a little chat and then said, do you have a budget in mind? Mm-hmm. So then I wouldn't have wasted time pulling together like a proposally type email because my problem with it is, right, yes, it makes sense in some ways to put your prices on your website and then never hear from the people who go, I can't afford that. But part of me can't help but think, yeah, but I met those people. I had a conversation with those people. And I know we can say, oh, but they're all low paying. You don't want those sort of people. Yeah, but those people 
might end up with more budget or those people might end up working in a company who has more more budget those people might recommend me to somebody who has more budget or they might end up finding that budget I've had some clients who've gone I can't afford that right now but I'm going to go and apply for a grant to get that amazing another one came back and said oh do you know what I can't afford that I've got this budget and I was like well I tell you what why don't we create a package that delivers so we change for deliverables to suit your budget And then eventually they came back and said, you know what, we're going to go with you. You're more expensive than everybody else we spoke to, but we really like you and want to work with you. Blah, 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 blah. We went on and made their podcast. Mm -hmm. And I think about that person and I think if I had simply asked about their budget at the beginning and they'd have given it and I'd have gone, nah, then it wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have had that client. They wouldn't have had a good experience. They wouldn't have recommended me to other people. So I don't know. But there's a line, isn't there? There is a line. And how do you draw that line is the question. Like, I think, yes, there is an argument for investing that time from like a long game perspective. So those people might come back, etc. All the reasons you've just said. But there is also a de- you need to cut out the risk of wasting your time on people who are just not ever going to turn into anything, <laughs> whether that's a recommendation or whatever. So I don't have my prices on my website. And part of my thing about that is sometimes I change my pricing depending on who that person is. So I don't want fixed. I know some people swear by like, these are my rates, these are my packages and that's it. I'm not that person. So if somebody comes to me from like, for example, a charity, I work a lot with arts organisations who don't have like massive budgets. And I almost have like two tiers of pricing depending on who the potential client is and how much I want to work with them on the thing. So Babs, you obviously have... You know what your fees are for these things. But if your fees are variable, then maybe putting them on your site isn't a great idea. Some people would say you should put on your website prices from blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then obviously the people under that won't get in touch. The danger with the from thing, do they call it price anchoring? It's like where, you know, if it says prices from 250 and then I get in touch and you say, yeah, Steve, that'll cost 500 And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, that's expensive. I was expecting but in my head, 250. it was 250 <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then you could have a range. You could say from 250 to to 1000 you know. Um, but still, part of me is going, yeah, 250 I reckon. But I think, like, your website, generally, people can get a sense of whether they can afford you from your website. A lot of freelancers who charge a lot of money invest a lot in their websites and therefore that is reflected in the branding and that comes across even without necessarily outlining what the prices are is my point. I guess also if like you don't have your prices on the website it can work both ways as in people might contact you who think they can afford you when they can't but equally could you be repelling people who think they can't afford you? I guess a bit like you know when you go in a shop and there's no prices on the clothes you just assume that you can't afford it. So Bab says, which approach do you think is best for maximising revenue, building relationship, but also protecting time? I, I don't know whether there's like a Venn diagram where these three, three, three things yeah. sort of collide in this instance. I mean, how do you quantify maximising revenue, for example? Because what about the knock-on effect of people coming back further down the line if you did meet them? Are we taking off the time wasted, in quotation marks, replying to people? I don't know. Then building relationships. Building relationships is key to all of our businesses. So actually getting on a call with people has a cost, but who knows what it might deliver further down the line. 
And then protecting time, which is obviously really important when you're a parent and running a business. It's less about sending the email, isn't it? And it's more about when you get on the call. That's where the actual time Mm. is taken. Yeah, it sounds to me like the biggest issue for Babs is the time because she says she's getting the 25% to pay and doesn't seem to be suggesting that she's not making enough. If being more savvy about your time and not having to respond to all these people who aren't going to come to anything is the biggest issue, then yeah, like automating or building in an extra layer. Um, what's the, What do we call it? Barriers to entry. Like it's not that you're saying no immediately, but if you create multiple barriers to entry it means that by the time somebody gets to the point where they're booking a call with you the likelihood is is that they are a decent fit not only because they have bothered to go through those barriers but it means that they are compatible with when you're available and how much you cost and da, 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 da. Yeah. but yeah is there an argument for click on my website be taken to some sort of form or be sent a form via email that may or may not have pricing on it but might ask them what their budget is and then you can make a decision from there whether you send them an email back saying no thanks or I'd like to find out more, please. It feels like you need an extra layer in there somewhere. But what that layer looks like, I don't know. I think in the main of all the freelancers I've spoken to, I'm not sure I've ever heard anybody regret putting their prices on their website. Mm -hmm. I don't do it. You don't do it. But it's like I don't have an automatic answer. I like to find out more about the project first. But if you're in a position where actually you do have an automatic answer that isn't really going to change then maybe you're doing yourself and them a favour by putting them on your site. You know, like with a workshop facilitation, it's probably got a very fixed price. Mm -hmm. And then there's add-ons, you know, if you want extra resources afterwards or, you know, you want me to bring the pastries. Yeah, no one size fits all, right? Like if you're a wedding photographer, you're going to have package prices on your site straight up. You just are. (laughs) And maybe in this instance, Babs, that is your situation and you do have specific prices for things and it would just make your life a hell of a lot easier if you just put them on the site. And I still think about that client who I really enjoyed working with on a project recently where we adapted the scope Mm -hmm. to their budget. Right, and honestly, like some of the best projects I've done have been ones like that. Mm. Where my gut says yes, even though they don't necessarily have all the money I would like them to have. Okay, we would love to hear your thoughts on this. Do you put your prices on your website? Have you had a good or bad experience with that? Whatever Frankie's posted about this, you can comment. We could be reading it out next time, or of course, drop her an email. And we need your questions. So if you've got a question, we would love to have it from you. If you need it to be anonymous, it can be. And in very, very exciting news, Steve, three years after talking about the idea, <laughs> has started like a spin-off podcast. Is that fair? Yeah, 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 I suppose it is. To being freelance, where he interviews freelancers and they talk about like music, tracks of their lives, kind of like Desert Island Discs, but for freelancers. Uh, unless a Desert Island Discs uh, lawyers are listening, in which case, <laughs> not related at all. Yes, um, it's called The Freelance disco and i chat to a freelancer about the soundtrack to their freelance life it's only available on spotify but if you are a spotify user go search right now for the freelance disco and enjoy we went to buy the fish while it was the we deemed to be the most like low commitment pets that she that she gave us on the list there was still we were talking to this woman for like 25 minutes about 
you know, the conditions that the fish need, how often they need to be fed, how to clean the tank. I don't know. I was like overwhelmed by the requirements that came for the fish, even just like two goldfish or whatever. (laughs) And then I was thinking about, you know, I'm barely managing to wash myself. (laughs) (laughs) And like eat proper food. And then this three pound goldfish that I've bought... It's got like more demands, it feels like, than I do. 